Welcome to Urbane Legends, the internet's top podcast, which is about urban legends from all over this glorious planet that we call Terra. Uh, I am the ancient lord of Albion, Chris Flynn, and with me, as always, is famed uh, metallurgist, or I think that's probably right, Mr. Neil Herbert. Hi, Neil. How are you doing? Metallurgist? Metallurgist. Well, you should know. Yeah, apparently. Uh, so, have you have you been coming up with any new uh, compounds, like, a, a, like a, something better than steel, maybe? Or um... well, I got distracted because um, two Highlanders were having a fight in a car park. Then oh, really? they went out to see a wrestling match. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I found some, found some Toledo steel. It was uh, 2,000 years old. Wow. <laughs> Intricately... Uh, We've designed what was it, a pub car park or like uh, outside outside Iceland? It was outside Aldi's. Outside uh, Aldi's. Having, having a fight. It was a, was it was a lot Freddy? of Scotch eggs. Oh, fighting over Scotch eggs. They're free. Yeah. Right. Being led around. That's terrifying. Um, and what do you think of sort of the new boys on the market, which aren't really metals, but they could replace them, such as carbon nanotubes? I, I, I think, you know. You, there's no real art to making a carbon nano cheap, is there? No, it's no. easy. Yeah. <laughs> you just mash two carbon yeah. atoms together. Yeah, you, just, you just mash a load of carbon nano cheap together. It's nowhere no, it no near as artistic as hitting some hot metal with a with a big hammer. <laughs> Look, don't don't mock the uh, the noble art of um ironmongery or whatever. I I was um I've I kind of fancied doing a bit of blacksmithing. I kind of played around with doing it as a career for a bit because I think there's something quite, there'd be something quite elemental and nice about it. And you could kind of sell rich idiots like really fancy gates. I would imagine it's a very niche market, tricky one to actually make money in. Um, well, there isn't that many of them anymore. People aren't learning it. Yeah. So they're always looking for people because it is still needed. Horse, horses still need shoeing. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Um, this is true, this is true. And you can do artisan stuff, like most of them, you know, it's not like... Well, I think that's the thing, isn't it? You'd have to, like, if you could build up your own store and you were doing, you know, very sort of, like, crafty stuff and selling it yourself. Yeah. yeah. Like a big flower with Mark Wahlberg's face in the middle or something to to put on top of your chimney. <laughs> so, like, yeah, that'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That would fly off the shelves. Yeah. <laughs> scowling down at you. You wouldn't want that. <laughs> In the floor, in the middle of their living room. Yeah, that'd be all right, wouldn't it? That'd be nice. Uh, let's have a think. What other stuff could you do? Is it, is it just <laughs> is it just from the neck up, or is it kind of like he's got a little? Is it yeah. a little bust? He's got his little pecs. No, it's, it's literally well. just his face, not even the neck. Just his face. Yeah, yeah. Just that big forehead as well. A big forehead. That's good. That scare the scare the birds off the chimney. Yeah. <laughs> you could perhaps wire it up as some kind of way to get your Sky Television package. Yeah, because you know? we could remind you, you know. Well, you could got, you wire, it, wire it up, stick an antenna in the middle of the forehead, get the get all the signals from from Rupert Murdoch. Or a projector could come out from his mouth and just, like, <laughs> screen it on the opposite side of the living room. Or, or a whatever. cannon. Hmm. Yeah. 
See, well, you could. Uh, that's 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 just the taste of the range of my new Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> cast iron mantelpiece of Jadar. Um, please get in contact if you're interested. They are very expensive, so I won't be. So just, I mean, well, I mean, numbers are limited, and just for you know, ten low low instalments of a hundred dollars or pounds, <laughs> um, you know, these are going to sell out quick. I'm going to be that's only when they're gone. They're gone. It's what. Only a thousand. Do you have any idea of the work you have to do? To I'll tell them? you what my favourite one of those scams is. Do you ever see? Because it's not a scam, you get, Neil. It's not yeah, a scam. Yeah, the one extremely limited to 10,000 pieces of resin yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I love that noise. Or or yeah. some like little um, porcelain doll that like, looks like a little baby or something. It's like, you know, very, very low, well, you know, only well, 20,000 pieces created to get that voice out. You know, like bunny, really, bunnykins. Those yeah, ones which and, and I found really funny, which were just rabbits doing different jobs, and there was one that was a lawyer. It was like, run out of ideas after a while. QC. Because <laughs> those, yeah, they, they always advertise at the back of like the Sunday Mail or something like that. Yeah, just giving up on life. It's just like, yeah, fuck it, I'll buy it. Well, you would um, give up they, on life if you were reading the mail, wouldn't you? <laughs> but um, no, the one that really makes me laugh is that they'll have these. Um, you know the ones we give it, we make in a boat or something like that, and it'd be first issue only one pound oh, and contains magazines. like you know one yeah. you know one mast or something that you can put in, and then it's like in just over two hundred issues yeah. at fifty pound a month you My can uncle. make the HMS Victory or something. It's like probably just buy a boat model. It won't cost you ten yeah. grand to finish. And let's face it, they're going out of business in a year. Yeah, <laughs> you're not going to get this built when dinosaurs. When dinosaurs were back in the back in the big time after sort of around Jurassic Park, there was a dinosaur magazine which my uncle got me a subscription to, which was really nice for him, my uncle Jim. Um, and that you built a T Rex, so you get like I don't know two bones an issue or something, and yeah. then eventually you got the, the skeleton and stuff. But I got that's the only one which I ever completed of them. Oh, um, it did actually it did end up finishing. Yeah, because yeah. I think the thing with that kind of thing, I can just imagine like they don't. It's get in landfill now. Just don't go, worry about it. It just goes past. <laughs> yes. It's in landfill in Indonesia. It's it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's taking up. Yet it's, more, currently, right? it's currently choking a seal somewhere in yeah. China. But um, yeah, no, I did finish it. That's the only one. But that, again, I wasn't buying it. So no, fair enough. Yeah, it was always first issue ninety nine p, and then there were like three ninety nine each issue or something. Yeah, and it's just going to cost vastly more. Than, yeah, the fact nice, that it cost vastly nice more. Nice well. bought it for no, me. Nice, and what nice I would gift, and yeah. what I would say is what you're forgetting, Neil, is all of the information you get within the booklet, the magazine. So you could go and buy just a dinosaur of a T-Rex, but you're not going to get all that information. Information is invaluable. You can't put a price on it. That's what I'd say. No, you'd, you'd have to go and buy the book next door to the dinosaur skeletons, which will take you to whatever. The thing is, I can sort of see this stuff happening in the 90s when, you know, like yeah. you didn't have the internet. The we, fact we that didn't. now you're, we're still, yeah, I mean. Yeah, we just, didn't have the know, internet then, so. Well, I mean, theoretically, I guess we did, but, you know. We really well, no, pe- people didn't have, I mean, so we're yeah, talking, uh, I would have been 14 or something, so we're talking 95, 96. So there wasn't. I mean, I think we first yeah. got, I think we got the internet at home when I was 16, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I started, I think I started using it at uni in around 96. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't common until sort of late 90s, 2000s. Obviously, some people did have them. But, 
Yeah, it wasn't really common until the late nineties. No. Anyway, nobody wants to hear about yeah, to talk about when the internet happened. <laughs> no interest to anyone. Uh, so, you no, know, I've been watching. Uh, as you know, I'm a bit of a TV aficionado. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I've been getting a lot of good responses of all the um, the, the TV reviews we've been giving. Um, hmm. uh, people have been getting in touch and thanking us, and um, they've, they've generally agreed with everything I've said and enjoyed the shows. That's that's rare for you, so that's nice. It's nice yeah, it's really nice. Nice little, boot, little pat on the back for old Chrissy yeah. boy. A little kick, little pet on the little pet on the heads. Um, so this, I've been watching. I think it's the final series of uh, Ozarks, the Ozark. Okay, yeah. And what it's about, right? It's about this Ukrainian family, mm-hmm. uh, and it's uh, Pavel and Anya Ozark, and they move into like suburban America, and it's okay. kind of like it's kind of like a dark comedy. Um, you know, and they're kind of like getting everything they're like wrong. fish out of water. They don't really know it, what, yeah, what to expect. But, but it's, yeah, but it's quite dark because I think Pavel's got um, a bit of a checkered past. Mm. Um, and their, uh, their, their sort of hilarious next-door neighbour is Pele. Um, he, oh, he brilliant. Often, he often comes around trying to sell him. He's, he's busy, isn't he, Pele? He seems to he's, he's, up he's, really, he's really picked up. It's like, really? um, like Ian McShane. Yeah. He's doing really yeah, one, well. One minute he's doing Love Joy, the next he's famous all over America. Who would have thought it? Exactly. Um, yeah, so he comes round and um, Andre the Giant plays his brother. Oh, that's um, impressive. I assume this is a CGI, Andre the Giant, because obviously he died years ago. Yeah, well, it's what it's. Um, Are they using the sort of technology they've used for those movies? It's gotten cheap enough now that you can you can yeah. render an Andre the Giant with with basically a, a, you know the sort of gaming. Well, what it is, now. what it is, is it's actually he's it, he's played the character is Andre the Giant. It's not actually played by. Oh, I was played by Andre. All oh, right, okay. No, because it's it's set in um it's set in the late eighties. Oh, brilliant! Yes, and um and so they've got like. A bloke like someone sitting on someone else's shoulders, like trench coat. Yeah, you know. It's, um, so, so I mean, the arms look a bit weird because they are a bit short. Um, but yeah, they've got they've got. Uh, that's got those, a, bit, a big lad and someone sitting on his shoulders. That's exactly it. Yeah. 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 that's exactly it. Um, so high production values then. Very, <laughs> very high production values. I think it costs about seven million an episode, but. Um, a lot of that's Twice. because a lot of that's because of the fighting scenes, which are golden age TV. You can't really afford very to kinetic, that, yeah, very bloody. Um, but yeah, so what's happened is um, someone from the KGB has come over because it's before the fall of the Berlin Wall and everything, and yeah. he's trying to get Pavel Ozark to do some spying on Andre the Giant because Andre the Giant's got ties to the CIA, of course, as we know, as we, as we found out afterwards. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, um, it's semi-historical. I mean, they take some liberties like with Bridgerton, but it's kind of semi-historical. Uh, so, and he's refusing and then, you know, assassins are sent out and all that kind of stuff. And um, what's happening at the moment is the KGB are, currently in turf war with all Pele's lads from the favelas. Okay, yeah. So there's a lot of gang politics and stuff there because they're they're trying to get the dick pills because they want to send them back to Yeltsin. But he won't yes. but Pele obviously is not going to let them go for nothing. 
And also, he's worried that if he sends them abroad, the FDA will get involved. So, well, it's really inconstant as well. I mean, let's face it, he's just going to end up falling asleep at the on the runway or something, isn't he? Just not well, pay for his pills. Well, exactly. Exactly. So he's used them all up. Next thing you know, and he's not, you know, he's not going to get that money back if he didn't pay up front. Yeah, uses them all up. He's falls, forgotten about falls, it. Falls, falls asleep in a press conference, drunk yeah. with a with an erection, absolutely raging <laughs> erection. No, no knowledge that it was chemically enhanced. Yeah, um, so, you know, little Boris has, you know, still got it. <laughs> I believe, and that, I believe that was one of the leading factors in the fall of the Berlin Wall. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, no, as as I recall, actually, as, yeah, he, just, as he like, fell, they made a little hole, and he just kind of like poked it through, <laughs> 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 and knocked down that first segment. That was like a glory hole. Yeah, he's yeah. a he's the West glory well, hole. All right. Yeah. He, I mean, in in hindsight, like a lot of things from that time, it looks a bit unfortunate now. But you know, it was just, it's what we were all doing it. We we're all doing it back in eighty nine. Doing it for freedom. <laughs> and that was <laughs> I seem to recall. I believe. Uh, Hasselhoff was on the top that section of wall. He was on the other side. He was on the freedom. other side of yeah. it, giving it giving it yeah. a little tickle. <laughs> yeah, well, kit was like, yeah, mum. But anyway, yeah. So where we are, so that's where we are at the moment. There's a tense standoff between the lads from the favelas, the KGB, the CIA, um, and sort of Pavel Ozark's running around going, "Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do," and you know, does a pratfall, and everyone goes, <laughs> "It's, it's uh, all imagine... done in front of a live studio audience." Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, multi-camera yeah. stuff. Well, I imagine uh, Andre the Giant takes a dim view of all the shenanigans. Do you know what? He he sort of doesn't know what's going on, to be honest. No. You see how sort of blundering was, through. Yeah, they're kind of keeping him in the dark. He's just a sort of agent of chaos that they're uh, using as a tool. Doesn't really yeah. know he's an asset. Well, yeah. he's, he's, he's like a Manchurian candidate. Yeah. So, so they're, they're protecting him because they're going, because basically the plan is to use Andre the Giant to uh, assassinate, I don't know, <laughs> so, um, Nelson Mandela. Yeah. Let's say. They just activate him by saying, like, oh, horse meat's gone up to $3 a pound, and then it just yeah, closed like some world leader. Snaps Mandela's neck after swimming there from America. Um, yeah, so, I mean... We've got to stop that. Well, Exactly. So you know, it's it's one of it's very much like the wire in that there's no kind of clear, there's no clear good guys or bad guys. You know, no, they're, all, they're, all, yeah. they're all both. And it's they're it's all morally grey. You know, it's morally grey. Because yeah. normally you'd think the CIA would be the good guys in any scenario, but it sounds like they're. You know, yeah, I don't think might, I can't think of they, any. They, they might be slightly morally compromised in this. Uh, so obviously, yeah, they're not the most realistic of scenarios. But hey, you know, if you forgive that for some. Uh, yeah, so I've just storytelling. So it's just been um it's just been renewed for three more series, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh so I'd give that a seven out of ten. So uh I believe it's on Disney Plus if you fancy watching it. Most of it is. So I'm, I'm <clears> looking forward to uh, that getting weaved into the Marvel movies at some point. It's well, sort of a big franchise, isn't it, at the end of the day? <laughs> yeah. Thor battling Andre the Giant, who is one man sitting on another man's shoulders. <laughs> yeah. Ant-Man punching Andre the Giant or whatever. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah. Have a wrestling not? match together. Because he's yeah. got the strength of 20 ants or something. Whatever that is. <laughs> <laughs> but however, however that works. I didn't pay a lot of attention. Just sort of wedding one ear out the other. Um, right. So uh, this week's legend is uh, we're going back to 
Africa, all of our spiritual homelands. And we're, going to, we're going to Madagascar, which nice. is an, a big island off the east coast of Southern Africa, for those who don't know. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, Neil, <laughs> this wasn't in the Pixar film, <laughs> Madagascar. <laughs> It's the... I'm glad you did that because that saved me doing it. Oh, there wasn't David Schwimmer in that. I, I've not care. seen that. I'm not a child. Uh, <laughs> so it's Madagascar's legendary man-eating tree. Ooh. Oh, so no, normally we can we'd sort of like compare notes before, uh, but I deliberately have not looked up anything about this. I want this to be a complete surprise going in. I mean, we don't often compare notes before. I mean, I don't often read further than the next sentence along. I mean, never be prepared. We start That's, recording. The That's the podcast <laughs> motto: never be prepared. Yeah. Well, we let each other know what we're going to do, don't we? And I, yeah. I, usually, usually I'll at least you know skim read something, but now I want to, you know, the the immaculate Conception. one and a half minutes of research that I would normally do. I've not, <laughs> I've not for this just to keep it fresh myself. Lovely. So uh, this is from mentalfloss.com, which I've heard of. So I'm going to, so I've got, so, I mean, there's a, quite a few articles, so I'm going to sort of... Been bought out by a bunch of venture capitalists yet? Just got a load of 16-year-olds writing for them. <laughs> Probably. Like every other website on the internet. A load of 16-year-olds in Ethiopia writing for them. <laughs> um, so... Or, or Madagascar, possibly. Possibly, maybe that's why this has come up. We just need copy, 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 copy. Content, anything. Have you heard of anything? Write it. Uh, so, it's probably one of the most fantastic tales in botany, the legend of the man-eating tree. First reported in 1881 by a German explorer, oh, <laughs> named Karl Liesch, or Liesche, no, I'll just say Liesch, that sounds more German. It was said to be uh, sacred and much-feared plants used in sacrificial rituals by the native Mkodo tribe. The South Australian Register printed his account of a first-hand encounter with the Mkodo and the fearsome tree. From the top of the tree sprouts long, hairy green tendrils and a set of tentacles, constantly and vigorously in motion, with a subtle, sinuous, silent throbbing against the air. So far, uh, so treffed. <laughs> Presented a woman as an offering, the slender, delicate popa with the fury of starved serpents quivered in a movement over her head. And then, as if instinct, instinct with demonic intelligence, fastened upon her in sudden coils round and round her neck and arms. Then, while her awful screams and yet more awful laughter rose wildly to be instantly strangled down, Again, in a gurgling moan, the tendrils, one after another, like great green serpents, with brutal energy and infernal rapidity, rose, retracted themselves and wrapped her about in fold after fold, ever tightening with cruel swiftness and a savage uh, tenacity of anacondas fastening upon their prey. Ooh. Right, Blofeld, thanks for that. Um... That was, that was a brilliant impression. That was brutal, wasn't it? Okay. Yeah. So, so, so it's that. So it's it's not just sort of like digesting human remains or something. This is actually. It's, it's not actually, like a Venus flytrap. No. It's uh, this is actually sort of 
strangling folk and then uh, then bringing them into the into the uh, I don't know enzymes probably. No, it chomps them up and then does a little burp. Feet <laughs> like a uh, little shop of horrors. Yeah. So, 40 years later, a former governor of Michigan turned explorer named Chase Osborne nice. wrote about the tree in his book, Madagascar, Land of the Man-Eating Tree, confirming uh, Leisha's claims and adding that other tribes as well as missionaries also knew about the tree. Mm. So we've got some compelling evidence here, corroboration. So, where are these amazing and terrible trees? Are they so rare, or have they simply been victims, like so much of the lush green canopy that once covered Madagascar, to deforestation? I mean, I've got a man-eating tree set of drawers that I've got in Ikea, so could be. Oh, yeah. Well, do you remember that there was that craze in the 80s when we were all using the hairspray and stuff, with the, you know, make everything out of man-eating trees? Yeah, it's true. That's how, pretty um, cool. That's how you used to get those... Uh, T-shirts that turn different colours when you sweat. Yeah. Global hypercolour, yeah. Global hypercolour, yeah. Maybe, Global... maybe the pulp of a man-eating tree. I mean, you always want to show people when you're really sweaty under the armpits. <laughs> it's, no, it's... I, had, I had one of those and a pair of green jeans. Cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. The time Nice. I just dressed up as Teddy That, was, that was post by having a step and the shell suit. Early days. <laughs> An undercut. Yeah. Anyone doesn't remember that, look up the... Uh, undercut. The step. No, not an undercut. It's no. literally, you'd have a bowl haircut, and then mm. it would just, like, be sort of carved into your head, so the other bit was just, like, a bit... It's sort of, Oh, OK. Yeah. You just look like a little Lego man, basically. Oh, yeah, Lego man. Well, Lego, Lego men have, have side partings, don't they? I can't remember. What, well, I think I had a mid-party, but then it was like, yeah. I, I mean, everyone looked a bit like a mushroom in, in the early <laughs> So, unfortunately, the answer is none of the above, apparently. The whole thing was a hoax, Neil. You're kidding me. It was debunked in 1955 by a science uh, writer named Willie Lay, (laughs) who discovered that not only were the tribe and trees made up, but so was the German explorer who supposedly found them. Nine! He heard, he heard your audio recording of him and thought, that sounds very <laughs> <And then> <laughs> Removed himself from existence. <laughs> Still, that hasn't stopped sci-fi writers for inventing a whole host of carnivorous plants to take its place. Think of Audrey II from Little Shop of Horrors. Or the Bushy villain sci-fi, but... of Day of the Triffids. What are you talking about? That's a sci-fi classic, Little Shop of Horrors. As Wyndham, is... Wyndham was sci-fi, but... Uh... I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Little Shop of Horrors really counts. Yeah, Little Shop of Horrors, uh, Rocky Horror Show. That's sci-fi. <laughs> you know, they're all sci-fi. Yeah. Uh, still, Rest I think development sci-fi. sci-fi. <laughs> that was sci-fi, wasn't it? it was. <laughs> yeah, Coronation Street. That's sci-fi. <laughs> yeah. Uh, still, a Coronation Street for those who are listening from non-UK parts of the planet is a soap opera which has been on in the UK for around 170 years. Yeah, I think it goes back to Napoleonic Wars. They used to act act them out on stage. (laughs) A bit like Doctor Who, you can't get the really early episodes anymore. Uh, Yeah, it's set on the outskirts of Manchester. Um, Still, I think the fact that people were willing to believe this outsider story for 70 years says something about human nature. Some strange part of us wants there to be giant man-eating trees somewhere in the world. 
Why do you think this is? I mean, I'll, I'll give them that because it's kind of like... And the one thing that was interesting with the Triffids things, they only became dangerous when everyone became blind, as I remember that, that novel I read years and years ago. But, no, I remember it's like, do you remember what you'd hear about when you were a kid? Like, um, plants and like insects, like Venus flytraps. Like, oh, that's really cool. I remember seeing them in, like, Kew Gardens. It's like, it's a bit lame. Yeah, it's a really small. tiny thing that just waits for a bee to basically fall asleep inside. Well, it it's, it's flies, isn't it? It couldn't take a bee. They're too small for that. Yeah, probably more than a fly, I suppose. But um, I don't there know. Some, I there are some more dangerous ones in like the Amazon that could like that will take a mammal. They'll take like a, a, a small monkey, maybe, or um, or a baloco, or a mouse. Or baloco, yeah. Um, I mean, there are there are animals that do eat humans. Not not humans. Sorry, I'm, just, I'm so human centric. There are animals that will eat. Oh fuck's sake! Plants that will there eat are animals. Plants that will eat, that will yeah, they're carnivorous. Yeah, they're, they're, they're carnivorous plants, absolutely. So, but it's, it's more of a digestion, isn't it? But uh, well, yeah, they just slowly dissolve them. Yeah, that's still. You know, I mean, this is the thing: is cause that's a horrible can, way to go, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be great. But the thing and is, you get the, uh, you get those um, spores like the mushrooms that um, drive like creatures mad. Um, and then they like grow inside the creature's brain and stuff. You get those kind of. Yeah, be arguably worse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, depends. Depends what your brain's like. Yeah. <laughs> Might be a relief. Pretty, pretty brutal. Yeah, it's a bit of a break if anything. Uh, so, I'm. So they reckon it's a hoax. Uh, I think most people are going to say it's a hoax, but I think it's interesting to look into some other other articles on it. Well, you know, keep that in mind. I have got it, yeah. You don't know. So this is from weirdhistorian.com, and it's written by Mark with a C. Hartsman. Madagascar is home to many unusual creatures, like satanic leaf-tailed geckos, eye-eyes, giant jumping rats, and leaf-bug nymphs. So, I mean, he's already starting off a bit more promising for me, the fact that he thinks that geckos were, are the spawn of Satan. <laughs> well, you know, pulling up and down walls. What's that all about? Yeah. It's like the exorcist is saying. Um, but for many years, <laughs> do you reckon that's where he's, he's like, well, I've seen the exorcist and she climbs yeah. up a wall or something. She's climbing up the wall. That's, that's so, big, if, you know. so if any creature can do it as that's well, that, they're, yeah. probably, they're probably possessed by a devil. Look, it, <laughs> the devil draws power from many forms. It's not just it's not just the belief of humans, isn't it? You know, it, it, it that's in his, in his in his war against God, he'll tap into the animal market if needs be. Really, he's a wily little fella. Yeah, diversifying. Yeah, it's, it's a good idea, isn't it? It's a very good idea. When he gets the whales on side, I tell you what, we're in trouble. Oof. Well, I think he's already got the orcas, but they're not whales, are they? They're dolphins. I think dolphins. No. I think dolphins are probably. I think dolphins are on the fence. I don't trust them. Yeah, I, don't, I think they've. I think they've hopped over the fence. To be honest, you reckon? You reckon they're fully in the camp of evil? Well, they try and rape humans, don't they? So, and orcas are pretty horrible because they uh, just kill baby humpback whales all the time for a laugh. They're not nice creatures. Yeah, no matter what the, the film Free Willy says, <laughs> <laughs> like a gang of teenagers, aren't they? Orcas. Um, but for many years, the strangest form of life on the island was believed to be a tree that ate people. 
it all so th- this is a different starting point here. It all started with a New York World article published on April twenty eighth, eighteen seventy four. The story went into great detail about the tree and the primitive Makodo's tribe that worship it, as described in a letter written to. <laughs> God, the names is great, Doctor Omelius Fredlowski by the hungry plants discoverer Carl Leash. Makodos reportedly lived in caves, wore no clothes, and had no religion beyond that awful reverence which they paid to the sacred tree. <laughs> and they were all short, none stood taller than 56 inches. How tall's that? 12 inches. It's under five foot, isn't it? Yeah, foot, about four and a half foot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nietzsche found the managing tree near a bend in a stream and vividly described it as such. So here we go. This is not... So this is a description of the tree, not the sacrifice. You ready for my accent again? We'll oh, if we must. <laughs> I'm stealing myself. I'm not sure. If you can't imagine a pineapple eight feet high and thick in proportion resting upon its base and the nude of leaves you will have a good idea of the trunk of the tree. From the apex of this truncated cone, at least two feet in diameter, eight leaves hung sheer to the ground like doors slung back on their hinges. These leaves, which were joined at the top of the tree at regular intervals, were about 11 or 12 feet long and shaped very much like the American agave or century plant. They were two feet through the thickest parts and three feet wide, tapering to a sharp point that looked like a cow's horn. Very convex. On the other outer surface and on the inner surface, like a concave. This concave face was thickly set with strong horn, thorny hooks, like those upon the head of a cow. These leaves hanging thus limp and lifeless, dead green in colour, had in appearance the massive strength of oak fibre. The apex of the con was round, white, concave figure, and a small plate set within a smaller one. This was not only a flower, but a receptacle, and there ex- uh, exuded a clear, trickly liquid, honey-sweet, and possessed of a violent, intoxicating, soporific properties. From underneath the rim, so to speak, of the most uppermost plate, a series of long, hairy green tentacles stretched in every direction towards the horizon. They were about seven or eight feet long, and each, uh, each and tapered from four inches to half an inch in diameter, yet they stretched out so stiffly as iron rods. Above all of these, from between the upper and the undercusp, six white, almost transparent palpi reared themselves towards the sky, twirling and twisting with marvellous incessant motion, yet constantly reaching upwards. Thin as reeds and frail as quills, apparently. They were yet five or six feet tall, and they were so constantly and vigorously in motion, with such a subtle, sinuous silence throbbing against the air, they made me shudder in spite of myself, with the suggestion of serpents flayed yet dancing on their tails. So, you see, I, I like the alliteration there. I think the description was possibly a trifle long. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you use a bit of alliteration. It's quite poetical, isn't it, for a botanist? Mm. For a made up botanist. So, the explorer claimed his observation was cut short 
by natives shrieking wildly around the tree, but the interruption gave him the opportunity to witness an eating ritual. Letch wrote that the tribe surrounded a woman using javelins, forced her to climb to the top of the tree where she became dinner. I'll tell you what, it's a nightmare. If you're a fake botanist and you're just yeah. out in Madagascar trying to like make a load of you know artistic poetical notes about a fake tree and then yeah, there's fake racial caricatures that, know. you know <laughs> acting up all around you. Try and make some make friends with some lemurs. Yeah. You know, I uh, get try and get an eye eye because they're they're cute. I kind of get the impression this is probably quite a lot to do with um, you know sort of fairly credulous people in the late nineteenth century and some uh, not particularly healthy views about non white people. Well, yes, I think so. Um, sort of racism in its modern form really only came about because of colonialism. Because before that, before Europeans were trying to um, take over these lands slash enslave people. They were trading partners. They, they weren't, you know, people from different races weren't thought of any, not like any less or anything. You know, an English like an English person would have hated a French person more than they would have hated someone from Ethiopia. So, do you know what I mean? Like, it's probably, probably wouldn't have been a position to meet, I guess. But um, well, they would. Yeah. No, they would. They've been, tra- been trading with Ethiopia and Congo and stuff for thousands for thousand years. Oh no, I mean like your average, like somebody. Yeah, I mean, but I'm saying somebody in a village a, in Wales or something. You know, you, you whole, only know people in in your own village. The whole bollocks about the you know the white burden and the noble savage and all that shit was just a just an excuse to to try Make some and, money. Yeah, it was just going. Oh well, we've got to civilize them. Well, they're perfectly civilized. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, but that's an excuse because it's a way to sell being fucking awful to people back home, basically. Yeah. Um, and that's my thoughts on that. There uh, you go. So Nietzsche was horrified at the sacrifice. And I never see such a sight again, he said, or he wrote. Still, he continued to make notes and smaller tree. Yeah, I'll hang around a bit longer, though, and just make some more notes. Just that's to see what's happening. A smaller tree that caught and ate a lemur. For the next 14 years, Nietzsche's description was widely believed until a publication called Current Literature exposed the story as pure fiction, written by a reporter named Edmund Spencer. So there's two different ones here. These stories don't match up. Or well, the meta-narrative is that <clears throat> what, everything you're reading is pure fiction as well, and they've been made up as well. Well, is it, though? Or is it a cover Because we're, we're all inside the simulation crisis, we've got to remember. Is we're it a cover well, Apparently, they're saying that it was pure fiction based on... A report named Evan Spencer. The other one was by a scientific writer, and I can't remember her name, but it was a woman. So, um, you know, it's sounding like a cover up to me now. If we find a third one that's different again, where I'll be. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The inconsistencies are making it seem more real. Carlitos, Doctor. I I didn't didn't believe in a flat earth until I saw all the evidence, Chris, but, you know. (laughs) It's got pretty compelling. Uh, All those YouTube videos I watch. Yeah. Those Facebook posts, they're pretty compelling. Yeah, I mean, it's a wormhole definitely that won't lead you to QAnon within about three clicks. Carl Lidchow's Dr. Fred Lowski and the Makodos tribe were figments of his imagination, and despite the existence of carnivorous plants like Venus flytraps, no plants eat humans. I would add that we know of. That we know of, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's bound not, to be at least one in Australia. Come on, some somewhere in the yeah, it must be, must be bound to be. 
Oh, of course. Yeah. Not and if there isn't, then we need to work on reading it. one. Yeah. yeah. Should we get in Make touch? Should we get in touch with the uh, Ministry of Defence? Wouldn't put Francis off. He'd be like, no, we'll make one. We'll take Pigman. <laughs> yeah, we'll take Pigman. Pig man. He knows his stuff. He knows his stuff. Uh, yeah, not everyone had read current literature, and some explorers continued spending time on Madagascar searching for the uh, serious tree. Uh, here's a headline from the Auckland Star from January 17th, 1933. Anonymous tree said, stop. Said to eat men, stop. Secret of Madagascar, stop. An adventurous quest, stop. In 1933, article reported that a group of adventurers, including a botanist, a mineralogist, 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 that's it, uh, and a scientist would be led by former military man, Captain L.R. De La Hurst, that's nice. on a private expedition to find the tree. I can tell you this, Hurst said, it does eat human beings. It's being kept a very close secret and the natives are not too keen on pointing out the locality. Chiefs have told me that sacrifices are periodically offered to the tree. I hope, if possible, to take cinema pictures of the actual ceremony. They found nothing, but at least they came back uneaten. So, the plot thickens. I mean, that's a low bar, isn't it? <clears throat> Success of your trip. Well, I didn't, didn't get eaten by this fake plant. Oh, that's, you know, that's a win. Well, is it? So, uh, so the tri- so this is on fifty four history dot com. So I think it's going to be a lot of recycled stuff. So I'll be skipping through. But... I think pick out the salient points. So it's called the uh, Yetta Vio plant. So that's new, mm. and it's described as being predominant to Africa and Central America, according to this. And it's, well, no. so it was. Uh, and it was named for making a hissing sound similar, well, that's good touch. similar to the Spanish phrase, yitival, which means I see you. <clears throat> that feels like a rage. And it has poisonous spines that resemble multiples of huge serpents in an angry discussion, occasionally darting from side to side as if striking at imaginary prey. They seize. So they're kind of, I mean, it sounds like a land sea anemone. Mm. Didn't it? Uh, right. That's all they've got that's new. Uh, okay, and we'll see if there's anything here. So this is from the monster blog of monsters.tumblr.com. <laughs> One of the most famous anthropomorphous or man-eating trees in the magical world, the Madagascar man-eating tree was first boosted into occidental magical awareness. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> By... The o- o- occidental, was that? Yeah, occidental. As in, like, western? Yeah, I guess so. That's a very old-fashioned way of looking at it. This is a very old-fashioned article. <laughs> I think it might have been written by Boris Johnson. Uh, Magical Awareness by Beaumont Marjorie Banks' book, Flesh-Eating Trees of the World. While the tree itself is often described as horrifying and ugly, this is largely due to its situation, often surrounded by the bones of those it's killed, by entrapping them in large, thorny and markedly prehensile tendrils. Rather like the head of Venus flytrap, these can secrete a corrosive used by the plant to turn to a digestible slurry, the flesh of the bodies they trap and consume it, 
with the bones later discarded forming uh, calcellus rises these plants often end up growing on. The plant itself, when sated, is relatively safe to approach, <laughs> though it's still generally inadvisable, as these plants have been proven intelligent enough to sometimes trap people simply for apparently uh, apparently oh, simply for apparent amusement, toying with them like cats. However, once sated, the tree's tendrils ascend above it, giving the appearance of a large nest of somewhat thorny branches and leaves rising from a large trunk. This trunk is the target of most power, most attempts to destroy the tree, as burning the tendrils is exceedingly hard. When multiple powerful cutting curses can fell a specimen, <laughs> I think I'm getting an idea what what this one's about. It seems to be uh, of the, of the Wiccan bents, doesn't it? So yeah, there's a lot of reference to cutting yeah. curses. <laughs> Are you, sure, are, you, are you sure you're not just working out a transcript of a Dungeons & Dragons game? Maybe. A new Netflix series. <laughs> yeah. A powerful cutting curse can fell a specimen of the Madagascar uh, man-eating tree with relative swiftness, so that's good. Get your curses in order before travelling to Madagascar. That's my, my fictional offence against a fictional creature. That's good. <laughs> this is how to defend yourself from something that doesn't exist. Is this, is this a... So... The wood of the Madagascar man-eating tree is occasionally used in wand making, just as its parent cousins, the Yeti Val, the Nubian man-eating tree, and the Japanese Jiboko. Uh, did I did I hear you right? It's good. It's good for wand making, as in like magic. Sure wands. did. Yeah. So that the wands are particularly effective against other man-eating trees, water-based Pokemon, <laughs> cutting <laughs> So, uh, uh, and have a preference for the Dampier, Yaki Ono, Hanyo, and the half-human offspring of creatures such as the <laughs> Bones. So, I feel like I've had a stroke. Well, I feel like I'm having one right now. I think my one's it made out Madagascar man-eating tree. No, that's balsa wood. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's definitely balsa Yeah. It may, that's, that's, a, that's your brother's drumstick. Uh, no, it's made it out of an old toilet roll. <laughs> it makes a cardboard century. It's a really big wand. It makes for an extremely flexible and adaptable wand wood nail. So, you know, you need to put, you, shove, those, that, shove, that shove those chuckles back down your laughing gap. <laughs> yeah, it's flexible and adaptable and often oddly friendly. Selecting those who are lonely and isolated. So that will, yeah. That'll, um, Good lord, that'll, uh, that'll touch touch a nerve of everyone who reads this blog. That said, wands of this wood can be incredibly dangerous, especially in defence. It has been known to secrete a corrosive when forcibly taken from its master. So, is that how wands work, Neil? Is it kind of a, they're like a, a they're like a familiar or a pet or something? I'm. The, I didn't think. I'm not. I'm not up on my. Uh, yeah, you are. On my magic skills. So just <clears throat> no, I d- I've never heard that before. So the word attack somebody tries to steal it from the owner. Mm. Well, to be fair, I've just read underneath. Well, yeah, my store of arcane knowledge is not particularly. The Monsters Blog of Monsters uh, is a Harry Potter head cannon blog. There is one mod and one queried post daily, sometimes supplemented with a second. 
asks will always be answered. There you go. You can field your questions through to the uh, individual involved. <laughs> Dear sirs. <laughs> I, I, had, I had some thoughts. Um, so I think that's pretty much it for uh, for the Madagascan man-eating tree. There doesn't, I don't know if there's that much more about it. I'll have a quick... We've moved on to Harry Potter fans. Well, let's see what we... Time to call it Swift Closed. So, Yativao in James W. Wells' Sea and Land, 1889. The Yativao plant is described as being native to Africa and Central America, doing the hissing shit, right? Um... William, so that I'm just I'm on the Wikipedia now. Just but, but hissing that sounds like a Spanish phrase. Apparently. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a cross between a Spanish parrot and, uh, and a man-eating tree. Yeah. That makes good magic ones as well. So <laughs> yeah, I know it's got <laughs> worth tra- worth tracking down and, and, and yeah. a delicious honey like substance. Just no, delicious, in yeah. honey style substance. <laughs> yeah. Not just anyone, but particularly. That's probably what they. That's probably what they sell at, at Iceland. Um, well, they might do this. That store isn't there in Brighton. They sell Harry Potter. Guff. Oh right, yeah, yeah, drink, yeah. Well, drinking his are made out of balsa wood or, or magic trees. I don't care. It's a, it's a simple answer. <laughs> so uh, it's got a unicorn feather inside. So the vampire vine. I'm just reading the Wikipedia now just to cover it all up. <laughs> William Thomas Stead, editor of Review of Reviews, published a brief article in October 1891 that discussed a story found in Lucifer magazine. Ooh. Describing a plant in Nicaragua called by the natives the Devil's Snare. This plant had the cap- uh, capability to drain the blood of the living any living thing which comes within its death-dealing touch, according to the article. So it's a vampire tree now. Yeah. So uh, I'll read it in eighteen eighty-nine voice. Fair enough. Mister Dadson, naturalist who recently returned from Central America, where he spent nearly two years in the study of the flora and fauna of the country, relates the finding of a singular growth in one of the swamps which surrounded the Great Lakes of Nicaragua. He was engaged in hunting for botanical and entomological species when he heard this dog cry out, as if in agony from a distance. Running to the spot whence the animal's cries came, Mr. Dunstan found him enveloped in a perfect network of what seemed to be fine rope-like tissues of roots and fibre. The native servants who accompanied Mr. Dunstan manifested the greatest horror of the vine, which they called the Devil's Snare and were full of stories of its death-dealing powers. He was able to discover very little about the nature of the plant owing to the difficulty of handling it, for its grasp can only be torn away with the loss of skin or even flesh, but as near as Mr. Dunton could ascertain, its power of suction contained in a number of infinitesimal mouths or little suckers which ordinarily close and open for the reception of food. The substance is animal. The blood is drawn off in the carcass or uh, or refuse, then dropped. An investigation of Stead's review determined no such article was published in the October issue of Lucifer and concluded 
that the story in the review of views appeared to be a fabrication by the editor. The story, in fact, appeared in sept- September's issue, process preceded by a longer version in an 1889 newspaper describing Dunstan as a well-known naturalist from New Orleans. So, <clears throat> it's been in quite a lot of literature and films. It's been... I'm going to fire through them, Neil, OK? And, and I want yep. to give... Give me a thumbs up or thumbs down if, you, if you'd read it, okay? Right. The Man Eating Tree, 1881. Thumbs up, thumbs down. You need to say it. All right, thumbs up. <laughs> the Flowering of the Strange Orchid, 1894, H.G. Wells. Oh, actually, was thumbs up. The Purple Terror, 1899, by Fred M. White. Oh, yeah, thumbs up. Spanish Revenge, 1906. Yeah, thumbs down. Uh, two stories of the comic strip Dick Tracy, Mr. Crime and Lieutenant TiVo. Thumbs down. In... I watched the movie adaptation. No, that's the in Get Smarts, What About All the Algae? Thumbs up. In Conan, The Buccaneer? Thumbs up. Little Shop of Horrors? Yeah, thumbs up. Uh, the Sagebrush Kid, 2008, by Anne Prulich. I don't know what that is. Thumbs down. Uh, Shades of Grey, The Road to High Saffron, 2012, by Jasper uh, Ford. Thumbs down. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Thumbs down. Day of the Triffids. Thumbs up. The Hunger of uh, Sepopus. Or, sorry, Septopus. No, thumbs down. <clears throat> Life of Pi. No, thumbs up. I don't remember that in life. There's a carnivorous tree on a floating island, apparently. <clears throat> oh no actually yeah that fake The Ruins anyway it's by Scott Smith nah thumbs down generic The Woman Eater 1958 British horror film uh, thumbs down on this I'm ready for it. Werewolf of London thumbs up Poltergeist yeah thumbs up I don't remember it well it says uh, in the film the backyard tree comes alive, which grabs and devours a child. Don't know devouring a child. Has it got the evil dead on there? That's no. Quite awful scene. No. So, Neil, <clears throat> I think that that is all we're going to find out until they finally put some proper funding behind. Well, you know, inconclusive is what we're saying. <laughs> yeah, I think inconclusive is probably fair. Uh, so, Neil... Shall we go through our scoring system? So I will let you go first, Neil, with spookiness. Uh, yeah, I'd say it's quite spooky. Being being mauled alive by a tree, it'd be pretty. Uh, I don't know why that's worse than like a wild animal. Well, what have you? It seems but, um, to be worse, doesn't it? Like because it, yeah, it feels kind of slowly dissolving you and crushing you and stuff. It's not like a quick kill. Well, I kind of feel like they'd have to get out of its reaches, unless it was like, you know, managed to, I don't know, like grip you so tightly you couldn't get out. So, yeah, if you're being dissolved slowly, that'd be extremely awful. But, um, yeah, I, yeah, no, but it's just, yeah, just the idea of kind of like, you know, you're going to some place where there's man-eating plants and things is inherently quite spooky. It's just us, you know, that fear of things that you don't understand or places that you haven't been to, sort of, what have you. Um which is obviously based on ignorance, but uh, no, it's um, it's quite a spooky premise, I think, and that's obviously why it's sort of um, stuck around, hung around mm. for a bit. Yeah, 
now turned into comedy, you know, little horrors and stuff. But yeah, no, I think it's, I'm going to give it a... So nice. Yeah, so I think it's quite spooky as well, because when you're going through the woods, or, well, the jungle in this case, um, you're kind of not watching the plants, are you? You're looking out for animals, spiders. What's behind the plants? What's behind the plants? (laughs) Peek behind the curtain. Um, so you're kind of looking out for animals and that kind of stuff, or insects that, you know, score, I don't know, whatever, mil- biting millipedes, that kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> King Kong. King Kong. The dinosaur. Lam- it's, it's biting some T-Rexes somewhere, yeah, probably. Um, for the pleasure of Kim Jong-un. Um, <laughs> I believe. That's the latest coming out. Um, so I, I, the plant, I mean, obviously, you know, we know... I mean, some plants will give you like horrible rashes, that kind of stuff, and some of them will kill you if you eat them. But generally, plants are pretty, pretty neutral. You kind of think, do you know what I mean? They're not. You're not looking out mm. for them. So if if you're in somewhere and you didn't know about it, you know you you can see how you would be, your guard would be down against um, its serpent-like tendrils. Um, so, yeah, I think it's quite spooky. And also, the way it kills you is pretty horrific. And then if, like, a load of four-foot guys turned up and started laughing, do you know what I mean? That's just putting salt in the wound, isn't it? So uh, I'm going to go with you and give it a 7-0. So believability. Um, so, I mean, it's... I mean, there, there are plants that eat animals, as I failed to get out of my brain earlier via the gift of mouth. Um, so that's believable that, that there is, you know, and it's, it doesn't have like gnashing teeth or something. It does corrode people. So that's kind of how, um, carnivorous plants work. So that's believable. Is it believable? There's stuff in the jungles, which haven't been found. Yes, that's believable. Um, it could be that there isn't that many of them because they use a lot of resources and live for hundreds of years because plants, you know, Live, you know, can live for a very long time. Um, so it's it's more believable than some stuff that we've covered. Um, but do I? I mean, but you know, on the other hand, all of the stories about it are have been hoaxes. So I don't know. There's a grain of truth in there somewhere. But if this actual plant exists as described, I don't think so. So. I'm going to give it a believability of six. Neil. It'll be quite a bit lower for me, to be honest oh, with you. Yeah, no, I, I mean, instantly was thinking this is bullshit. And um, you, you'd be hoping there'd be a bit more to it. But it's, um, no, I don't know. I mean, for a plant to be able to move around so quickly and sort of grab people and, you know, hold them fast while it sort of eats them. It's just inherently a bit ridiculous, really. Um, and to sort of digest a, you know, a human being, uh, I don't think there's, you know... But there, I mean, you do get you do get plants that there's like um, a rotting... There's a plant that sort of smells of yeah. rotten flesh and stuff like that. I don't know whether that, that kind of thing might have might have um, caused people to think, or they might, might sort of like digest much, much smaller kind of like living things. But... Um, yeah, no, um, it's inherently slightly ridiculous, and I think it just comes down to a time when there was a bit more of a, a credulous age. So the and obviously that's why these things haven't sort of like been reported in any serious sources. So the biggest, you know, journalists making the biggest happen. known carnivorous plant 
is five foot tall and it traps lizards and rodents. Yeah, so you're looking at things like, you know, that you could hold in your hand to digest. That we know of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, unless unless something's freaking huge, um, yeah, I can't. So yeah, no, it doesn't 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 um, seem particularly believable to me. Um, I'm going to give it a two. Two or so, Neil Reach. Um, uh, I guess it's been in. I mean, I, I sort of, I guess you've heard of this to a certain extent, and it just it, in in different kind of like ways is the idea of kind of like plants that can eat, you know large animals and things like that, which is kind of like just a, you know, something that's taken up from, from nature, but just massively extrapolated from yeah. what's real. Um, and, but yeah, so, so yeah, it's, it's, but, uh, it's a funny on this because the actual kind of like, the, the actual Madagascan kind of like, well, I haven't heard of that and I've not, really, you know, I don't think that's necessarily very commonly known, um, but just the idea of kind of like man-eating plants or, you know, um, dangerous plants that's that's a bit more broadly think a bit more bit more broadly out there but i think that this particular um this particular um urban legend i don't think is massively well known it's been around for a while but um yeah i'm not convinced that all of those kind of things were necessarily looking at this this particular myth thing you know like Audrey from Little Shop Venus Fry Somebody may have just made that. Yeah, exactly. It just looks like a Venus Fry Trap. I think somebody's just kind of like, you know, I don't have necessarily been familiar with this particular thing. Yeah, so I I don't know. I'll, I'll split the diff a little bit, go on the lowest, so I'll give it a four. Four. Yeah, I, d- I don't. I mean, it looks like this could have been, because it was in a lot of newspaper articles around the world back in the 1880s or whatever, 1870s. So. I think maybe it's one, maybe an earlier tale that, so like the, you know, HG Wells maybe read about it and then did his stuff. And so I think that it could well be one of the precursors to all the rest, like one of the earlier versions. But then I don't know because it's not, it's not a huge leap mentally to go a plant that eats humans. So, you know, I'm sure there's probably medieval stuff about that. But I don't know without looking further. Um, so yeah, I'm with you. I don't think it's got very big reach. Um, it was probably better known 140 years ago than it is now. But um, there's plenty about it on the internet and stuff. So yeah, I'm going to go quite low as well. I'm going to give it a three. And that brings us to narrative premise. So, um, so the premise, you know, it, it, again, it depends. Is this the first kind of time where it was widely? Um, put about that there's this massive man-eating tree or whatever, or is it some propaganda about Africa and the savagery of the people there and stuff, which it could well be. Um, You know, it's they've given a pretty detailed description of it. That's good. Um, I think that, you know, it all being a hoax, you know, they've made up, like the doctor and also other people who have been sent letters by the doctor and stuff. So it's been, it's quite a tidy web of a hoax. Do you know what I mean? It's not, they've not half-assed it. A bit of effort into yeah. it. Um, but again, it's not, I don't know. Um, I think that I, I'm going to give them, I mean, I think man-eating tree stuff's probably been around for a long time, but, you know, this is the earliest we've seen so far. So for that and the fact that, I put a bit of effort in. I'm going to give it a four. Now, 
Yeah, probably broadly similar. I don't think there's a massive amount of um, good narrative you can get out of this, especially since it relies so heavily on the kind of like, you know, um, you know, savages in a savage land nonsense that was sort of propagated in the sort of late 19th century, well, well before, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, it just feels like that, that kind of narrative has run its course. But just a very gleam of a kind of like a managing plant. I mean, there's stuff you can do with that. Um, and obviously it's been turned into various different things. You know, it's been a bit of a sort of musical comedy. Um, Day of the Triffids, I don't think they were man-eating, but they, they could kill you. So the, the notion of plants but sort of like... Being aggressors. You know, and that, that thing. Yeah, there's just, I think... Where there is something, I don't, I don't like the sort of origins of it. But where, where I think there is a nice little narrative hook here is just the whole kind of thing where we think of ourselves at the top of the food chain, and there's, you know, it feels like an upending of the, what we consider the natural order of things. So there's something there, mm. you know. Um, but but I think you know that, that's that's taking it a sort of step further. So if you if you sort of move on from the that part, but yeah, the idea of managing plants is quite a good one. But maybe I'm sure. so um, on that base, I'll give it a five. Five, okay. So that gives us an overall urban legend total of thirty-eight, right there in the bell curve. <laughs> we'll have to plot these out one day, but um, yeah, it's time in it. Um, yeah. Well, that's uh, that's. Is that our third one from Africa? I believe so. Um, so, um, yeah. At least, and Africa at least. being the only continent which we haven't had a listener from. So, And I include in that Antarctica, the mystical underwater city continent, um, where the Anunnaki come from. Um, so Hi. that's really it for this week's Urban Legends. If you've got any comments or anything, uh, you know, Feel free to get in touch at herb, herb.legends.podcast at gmail.com. But beyond that, uh, you know, keep your wits about you when you're going to the gardening centre next weekend with your grandparents or something for a nice cup of tea and a slice of carrot cake. Um, So, yeah, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know why I did that. Um, You never know. I mean, you do. Well, I know, I know. know. Yeah, my grandparents are dead, so that won't be happening. (laughs) So, um, so on that cheerful note, I hope you have a lovely week and goodbye for me. Goodbye for me.